The Girl Camper Podcast is sponsored by Liberty Outdoors, innovative makers of high-quality, lightweight, towable trailers for every stage of the RVer's life. And Campco Manufacturing. For over 50 years, this company has been making products for outdoor enthusiasts. Whether you are RVing, boating, camping, towing, tailgating, or grilling, Camco Manufacturers has products to help you enjoy your time off. We are also sponsored by our consortium of girl camper-friendly RV dealerships. Bankston Motorhomes with five locations in Alabama and Tennessee, Setzer's World of Camping in Huntington, West Virginia, and Tom's Camperland with three locations in Phoenix, Arizona. Service, integrity, and committed staffers are some of the hallmarks of these reputable dealerships. To visit any of our sponsors, go to girlcamper.com and follow the links on our homepage. Hello, my name is Janine Pettit and I'm a girl camper. I go places and I do things in my Liberty Outdoors lightweight towable trailers. Along the way, I meet many interesting people traveling the back roads, and I want to share their stories with you. We will talk about the qualities of what makes a girl camper and how you can be a girl camper, too. The girl campers are having a party, and you're invited. Stay tuned while I share what's happening on the back roads of America the Beautiful. Welcome. I'm Janine Pettit. Girl Camping Ambassador, Blogger, Adventurist, and Podcaster. And this is episode 151 of Girl Camper, the podcast. We are wrapping up our year of exploring the pros and cons of various RVs, not just for girl campers, but for anyone. And today we're talking about pop-ups with a nod to A-frames. For many people, me included, the pop-up was the entryway into the RV world. It's still a solid choice, and we're going to be going over the pros and cons of a trailer that allows you to really see the country. My friend and fellow girl camper, Mary Ellen Arndorfer, is also in the house, technically speaking, via Skype, to share her own experiences as a pop-up user and as a girl camper. The pleasures of pop-ups next. Stay tuned. Before we head into our news roundup, I have a message from our friends at Campco, the makers of all those great things for RVing, tailgating, grilling, all the fun stuff we do. Just in time for the holidays, it's Campco's Globe Lights. Have you ever seen these at the campground? They're those big, giant, six-inch, colorful lights. They light up your whole camp site. They add a festive and welcoming look to anything. I actually have a neighbor who has these hung on his Christmas tree right now. These globe lights come in two sizes, a um, six-light strand or a ten-light strand. The ten-light strand will extend up to 30 feet. 
It has little coiled wires in between each bulb so the wire is not draping down in your sight line when you're trying to get in and out over your awning. They have created this innovative design that allows you to slide them right into the awning track on your trailer. But they can also be used with an S-hook if you want to hang them off your Easy Up or your deck or your backyard or your Christmas tree like my neighbor out on the front lawn. Each globe is six inches wide. They are designed to be outdoor lights. These things are, you're not going to have to worry about the water getting on them or anything. Each one of the globes can hold a bulb up to 60 watts, but they are LED compatible if you want to switch that out. They come in green, bronze, clear, red, white, blue, purple, yellow, and orange. It's just so, so pretty. The cord that goes on them can be black. If your, black, if your awning is black on your trailer, it'll blend right in, or you can get them in white. Camco makes all kinds of fun party lights and accessories, awning clips, party light holders. Head on over to Camco, look them up on Teardrop Shop, Amazon, find the Camco party lights that are right for you. We're going to be back in a minute with our news roundup. Welcome back, everybody. I have something so fun to talk about in our news roundup today. So there are so many fun partners that uh, we have worked with over the year here at Girl Camper and people who have taken place in our gear guides and just people who found their way to us or I looked them up, but they have fun stuff and we're going to be giving a lot of it away. So I'm starting this on December 11th. I'm calling it the 12 days of Christmas. I thought it would be fun to just be festive. So from December 11th till December 22nd, each day we're celebrating the holidays with a great giveaway on the Girl Camper Podcast Facebook page. So if you're not a member, please come on and join because we have so much fun. Our community is so active over there. Lots of people sharing and caring, and I just love being on there every day, see what everybody's up to. So... On the 11th, I'm going to be starting off the day with a mini video of what we're going to be giving away that day. So you can see the product in person. I'm going to then give instructions as to how you can win. And I don't have all of this worked out in my head. I have the idea, but it's going to be different every day. It's not going to be the same thing every day. I'm going to give the instructions on how you can win. But here's the fun part. The winner will be chosen that night and announced the next morning. So whatever time I go to bed, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, I'm going to go on. I'm going to pick that winner. And the first thing the next morning, I'm going to tell you who won the day before. So I love the instant satisfaction of this, the instant gratification. You're not going to have to wait the 12 days to find out if you won. This is every 24 hours we're going to be giving something away. So... Let me tease you with a few of the items that we're going to have in this. Our friend Joel Holland from Harvest Host is giving away a free Harvest Host membership. And your coupon code is still good. You can use Girl Camper at any time and get 10% off there. We're going to be giving away the Globe Lights from Campco. So these things are so pretty. I have a set. They're just so cheerful and happy. We're going to be giving away one of those. 
our friends at Wicked Good Cupcakes are giving away a six-pack of Wicked Good Cupcakes. Have you Did you see them on Shark Tank? Have you ever had a Wicked Good Cupcake? It's been my new go-to present to give people. So instead of sending fruit baskets and flowers now, I send people like delicious cupcakes in a mason jar. And guess what? They have some more cupcakes. So it's a great gift to give a girl camper. Our friends with the sewer saddle bag are going to give a sewer saddle bag away. There's going to be a gift from the um, teardrop shop. Go RVing is putting together a big swag bag. Every single day, there's going to be something fun. So I want everybody to log on and just play along with us. It's starting on December 11th. I also, before we head into our um, pros and cons of uh, pop-up trailers. I want to thank everybody for their generosity um, last week when we posted our raffle of the mini trailer. Our goal is pretty big with that trailer because Whole Jew does great work and we really want to bring that to the attention of as many people as we possibly can. So our goal is a big one. It's $50,000, but we have, you know, still like another eight weeks to hit it. The winner isn't going to be picked until Valentine's Day. So we have a little over eight weeks. I want to thank everybody who shared and cared because that thing made its way around so quickly. And guess what? We sold over $10,000 in tickets in the first 24 hours that was online. We're already past 12000 on that. I can't thank everybody enough. And I encourage you to really follow that link in the blog post about um, the teardrop mini giveaway because I want everybody to read about Hold You. I want you to know what Hold You does. We're really raising money for people who are the neediest of the neediest. There's different levels of need in people, you know, and, and this company, this organization, the foundation gives charity and help and peace of mind to people who are in really, really life stressful situations and in dire, dire need. On that subject, I want to tell you this. Someone was nice enough to write to me and say, does Hold You have an Amazon affiliate? And they do. So any of you who do the smile thing on Amazon where a portion of your money goes over to a charity, please look up Hold You on Smile because I think they get... I don't know, 3% or something like that, but every little thing adds up. That could be a tank of gas and everybody is doing their Christmas shopping now and probably spending a lot of time and money on Amazon. So why wouldn't you want to give it over there when you can? It's kind of tricky because you have to remember to go into the affiliate program. Um, I have to remind myself sometimes to do that. So Thank you, everybody who donated uh, money for our raffle. I can't wait to see who wins. There's so many tickets purchased, and I was able to go online, and the raffle company sent me a little link so I could see how many tickets were being sold. And it was so heartwarming to see so many names of um people in our community. So I'm, once again, always humbled by all of you guys and all of the great things you do and how generous in spirit you are. And I always say that about Girl Campers, the number one thing you need is a willing spirit. And that willing spirit exists here and the generous spirit as well. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart. We'll be back in a minute and we're going to be talking about the pros and cons of 
pop-up trailers, but then we're going to be talking with my friend, Mary Ellen Arndorfer, who is a pop-up owner, but she is a spectacular girl camper, and she has a fantastic story. I can't wait for you to hear it. Hold on. We'll be right back. Before we head into our topic, I have a message from Setzer's World of Camping in Huntington, West Virginia. They are the first-time buyer's dealership. The experienced staff at Setzer's will help find the right model for you. It doesn't matter what you're looking for. It could be a lightweight towable trailer. It could be a fifth wheel, a pop-up, or a motorhome. Setzer's has about 150 new and used trailers on their site to choose from at any given time. Their staff will help you assess your needs, make sure your tow vehicle is a match for the trailer that you're buying. They will not let you leave until they get you all set up with their camping starter kit. I can give you a hint. They give CampCo's starting kit to everybody and they help make sure you know how to use all of those things. They have a reputation for selection, quality service, competitive pricing, and it makes them the go-to dealer, not only for West Virginia, but for residents of Ohio, Kentucky, and Tennessee as well. So to take a look at all their inventory, you can go to SetzersRV.com or just head over to GirlCamper.com, follow the link, click on Setzers there, and it'll take you right there to their page. Thank you, Lynn Butler and everybody at Setzers for making Girl Camping easier. We'll be right back. Okay, this is the last in our series for this year of our delving into all the different types of travel trailers and motorhomes available. I love that over the year we have compiled this list and I am going to have my uh, webmaster put all these in a link so they're easy for you to share and they're also just easy to find and accessible. You can have them all in one place. If you are like me in your late 50s and you're in that 70s, you grew up camping in the 70s like I did, like everybody had a pop-up. I, I didn't know anybody who had a travel trailer. You know, I know that the little canned hams came out in the 50s, but then when people morphed up and everybody seemed to have a pop-up trailer. I mean, it was just the greatest way to be uh, initiated into the camping world. And I'm always going to have just a little place in my heart for a pop-up. I still search online for them. I still look for them. I still think maybe I should have one just for just for nostalgia purposes. But today I want to talk about the pros and cons of the pop-up. It used to be like the only game in town. Now there's so many things. But I still think this this kind of trailer is a great way to get into the RV world. So... Starting with the pros. We always start with the pros when we do this. Number one, and this is what I remember so much about it. They are big and airy. 
when you are inside that and the wings are open and you got those two big beds and you got usually two tables and then you've got some decent floor space going on in the middle, but when all the canvas is zipped down and you are in there, it is so big and airy. There's so much sitting room there. You can pile a crowd in there. When we were kids, we camped with our cousins from Massachusetts. Aunt Sue. Everybody knows Aunt Sue, right? My Aunt Sue. Aunt Sue had five kids and our family was seven, so 12 kids. Do you know what happened on a rainy day where we were playing puzzles and board games? You got 12 kids in a pop-up camper and they're sitting on the ends, these wings of the bed, the tables, everybody's playing cards, playing Monopoly, like just you know, making use of the space on a crappy day. So they are big and they are airy. They sleep a lot of people. So you've got those two beds. When we were growing up, I always think they were a king. I think they're the equivalent of king-size beds on both sides. Now, as an adult, two two adults can sleep in a king-size bed. But when you're kids... Let me tell you something. That was a sleeping spot for four little kids. <laughs> Nobody got a space that big to themselves. You can really pack a lot of people in a pop-up trailer. I always love also the airflow in a pop-up trailer. When you get those things open, like we didn't have pop-ups in our day, like with air conditioners in them. So all those screens were open at night and there were air coming through. And even on a nice day now to be able to be at a park, maybe you're at a national park and you don't have hookups and you can open up all those um, flaps and get that air coming in from all directions. So big and airy. There's such a feeling of space inside of a pop-up. Great sight lines. You get that 360 degree view. You just spin around in that thing and you can see every angle of the campground. So number one, big and airy. Okay, number two, this is really, this is an important one too, especially when you're a girl camper or someone who has never towed before. A pop-up is a great rig to begin your towing career with. There's a couple of reasons for this. One, they're very low to the ground. So you don't have that wind interference that you get when you're towing a travel trailer. Um, as much as I always loved my Riverside Retro, that trailer caught the wind. And you can overcome those things with anti-sway bars and weight distribution hitches and things. There's a way to deal with that wind. But if you're new and you don't want to worry about those things and you know you just want to get out there on the road and not make it a white knuckle event, the fact that these things have less wind interference is a plus plus. With the less wind interference, though, you also get better gas mileage. So it is the wind that cuts down on our gas mileage, makes the truck or whatever your tow vehicle is really just work harder to get that thing down the road. And the wind aerodynamically just goes right over your tow vehicle and over the top of any kind of um, pop-up trailer folded down flat. The other thing is a lot of people struggle with this when they first get started, and that is that feeling when you look in the rearview mirror and there's a trailer back there. You can't see what's behind you. That is very intimidating to people who are just beginning, and that is a perk with a pop-up trailer. When you look in that rearview mirror, you see right over the back of it, and you see who is behind you. So, number two, great rig to start towing with. Number three, I alluded to this. They sleep a crowd. Those beds on the side, the two tables that fold down, we slept nine people in those at times. I mean, nobody would do this these days, but when I was a kid growing up, 
my parents slept in the pop-up with the two youngest kids. And then we had a big old school canvas tent and the five older kids slept in sleeping bags in there on the floor. And the reason my parents did that is because my mother used the one of the big wing beds there, one of the pushouts. That's where she staged all of our clothing. So my mom had these stackable plastic baskets. They all had a name on the outside. Christy, Gary, Janine, Kelly, Greg, Stacy, Natalie, <laughs> and mom and dad. So she had nine baskets laid out on there. And that's how she kept track of the laundry and our clothes and kept everything organized. So... My two littlest sisters, Stacy and Natalie, slept on one of the fold-down tables, and that was my mother's staging area. But you can really sleep a crowd, and that trailer can hold a crowd when the weather is crappy. Okay, number four. They're very easy to store. So you'll often see um, pop-up trailers when you're driving down the road stored on the side of somebody's garage or something. But I think the best thing about a pop-up trailer is they do fit in your garage. So they're low. You don't have to worry about it. They fold flat. That can save you a lot of money on storage fees. So you might be in a township or have an HOA that wouldn't allow you to store a camper in your driveway or a side of your house, but you could put it in your garage. The thing that makes it great about the garage is that because they fold down flat and they're really like middle of the chest high when they're all folded down, depending on the model, you put that thing in the garage, it's a hard shell top, you can still store a lot of stuff on top of it. If you had a little tab that fit in your garage and you got that in there, that's all you're getting in there unless you fill it with camping gear when you're storing it. So I like the idea that the pop-up is all folded down. It's inside your garage, but you can put the sleeping bags and the cooler and all the gear on top of it. So easy to store. Number five in our pro list, they're easier to find in the used RV market. It amazes me because I'm really hooked on this as just kind of an exercise in futility, but I just, or maybe an exercise in curiosity, but futility too, because last year I did find a really cool pop-up and, and my husband said, if you bring that home, you're going to be sleeping in it because I already had the Max and the Mini in my driveway, but I can't help it. I go on Facebook Marketplace all the time and I just search to see where they are. And there's plenty of them. So I think people have, you know, a stage in life. And all of a sudden, your kids are in high school. And then within the blink of an eye, they're in college. And all of a sudden, two years, three years, five years have gone by and you haven't used that trailer. And at some point, people say, you know what? we got to let it go. It's not going to happen again. And that's good for the rest of us, especially if they've taken good care of it and made sure it was cleaned well and everything when they stored it away. So they're pretty common on the used RV market, and they're also less costly. Look, a, a pop-up, um, it doesn't have all of the bells and whistles and gadgets of a travel trailer. So usually when you find them, you can find a pretty decent pop-up for under three or $4,000. And sometimes you just find a beauty for like 500 That was the one I saw on Facebook Marketplace. 
It was in such mint condition. It looked like it was brand new. The lady was selling it for $500. I was the second person to reach out to her. So she wrote me back and said, someone's coming to see it tonight. And if they don't take it, I'll call you second. And I said, well, they'd be crazy if they didn't take it. And of course, they took it on the spot. But I just wanted to have it. I was going to stick it in my nephew's yard because there's so many times when people will say to me, I want to go camping. I want to try camping. I think it would have been fun to have just like a backup trailer here. Like, okay, go down here and get my nephew's trailer out of the backyard and join us. So it didn't work out, but that's okay. They're pretty easily defined and they're not as costly as other trailers. That was number five. Number six, they're lightweight. So a lot of times um, people get tripped up in their um, desire to get out there in the RV world by the existing tow vehicle that they already have. They can't just go out and buy a new tow vehicle because they've decided to try RVing. So this is a model in which you can usually find something that is towable by what you already have. Any six-cylinder can tow most um, pop-up trailers. So lightweight is a good thing. Number seven, they are less costly to maintain. So most pop-ups are not that fancy this way. They don't have a lot of stuff in them. I see plenty of pop-ups out there still that don't even have an air conditioner in them. So you don't have all the pumps and the um, tanks and all of the things that you would have in most travel trailers. They don't have microwaves and air conditioners. And I know there are high-end fancy ones, but most of them don't. So they are less costly to maintain. They simply have fewer systems. Most of them don't have a TV or a bathroom. So you're going to save there. Number eight, they fit into small spaces. Even the biggest, biggest pop-up that you can find out there, which, you know, I meant to look this up and I should have. My nephew has a pretty big one and it, it, we camped with him last um, year in Colorado and I think his was 15 feet long. 15 feet long is like a teardrop. It's a little trailer. It's not super big. So you have that option of getting one that fits your size and you're able to get in those places that you can't always get into with a really big trailer. Okay, number nine, they're really maneuverable. So first of all, they really sit high off the ground. So when you are on some off-road or back road or a national park and it's a dirt road and you have to go over bumps and a lot of stuff, these things sit up pretty high and you can really take them to a lot of places. The other thing that I really love about them is once you get to the campground and you have a wheel on your uh, tongue jack there and you put the wheel on and you get it off the hitch, if you don't like where this thing is, hey, everybody get over here and push it three feet this way, four feet up this way. They're very maneuverable by hand. You get that thing stationed where you want it, and then you set it up. So um, very, very maneuverable. So here in our pro list, number one, big and airy, lots of room for sleeping, sitting, sight lines, airflow, all those great things. Number two, it's a great rig to start towing with, not so much of a nail biter as some of the other larger ones. Number three, they sleep a crowd. Number four, easy to store. Number five, easier to find in the used RV market. There's a lot of them out there. Number six, they're lightweight. 
Number seven, they're less costly to maintain. Number eight, they fit into small spaces because they can be pretty small. And number nine, they're very maneuverable. Okay, now I want to move on to our con list. <laughs> the con list is a little bigger with these than with a lot of our trailers. So number one in our con list they require assembly. So when you get where you're going, they have to be set up and broken down in whatever the weather is. There have been so many days I have been driving places in just crappy weather, raining, cold, biting, just can't wait to get to the campground, plug that trailer in, turn that heater on. The whole idea that no matter what the weather is, that you've got to get out and you've got to open this thing up and you've got to set it up. It requires assembly. The other part of the requiring assembly is because it's all folded down when you're driving, you can't easily access the things that are inside of it along the way. So if you want your jacket or you want whatever it is that's in there and not in your car or your tow vehicle, you know... There is a little bit of room. You can open the door. When we were kids and my dad would pack that thing, the cooler had to go there. Right in front of the door is where the cooler went because lunch and everything was in there and they just had to open that door and pull that cooler out. But if you put something in there and you wanted it along the way, forget it. You know, you, you can't get at that easily. Along this lines, when you are driving, you can't nap in it. And that's... <laughs> Maybe just because I'm getting, I'm getting older. Ah! I, I just nap. I nap along the way. I get tired. I rest. I, you know, and I love to just go in my trailer and eat lunch, lay in the bed, scroll Facebook, you know, whatever I want to do. Just take a time out. And I love having access to my bed in my trailer when I'm traveling. And you can't do that in a pop-up. And the fourth thing in this requires assembly thing is that, if you close it down in the rain, you're going to have to reopen it and dry it out at the first available opportunity. So same as when you arrive there and the weather's bad, if you have to fold this thing down in rain, and you do, many times you have to fold these things down in rain, then you get the thing home and you get home late on a Sunday night, 10 p.m., everybody has to go to work the next day. You got to come home from work if the weather is nice on Monday and you got to get that thing opened up and aired out or it is going to start to smell damp and moldy and rainy and that's not an easy odor to get rid of. So they require assembly. You know, you this is not a trailer that everything that it does for you is readily available. Okay, number two in our con list is the soft side walls, these canvas walls. So most of the pop-ups have a hard shell on top, and then the sides slide out, and everything in it is canvas, the sides. The bottom of it is hard shelled. So it's like it's like a half tent, half, <laughs> half um, trailer. It's a um, you know crossbreed here. And what happens with that is it's good because you're off the ground, but it's really more like a tent sometimes than it is like a trailer. When you're working with soft sides, you really have less protection from wildlife. You can't use these in some of the national parks. When we were in Yellowstone, even though there were tents all over Yellowstone, and I really, I don't understand the reasoning with this, and I, I've asked this so many times, but there were certain campgrounds that we stayed at in Yellowstone, and in those campgrounds, you were not allowed to have hybrid trailers that had any kind of canvas pop-out or soft side. Yet, if you drive around Yellowstone, there's campgrounds all over there where people are in little nylon tents. 
I don't understand the reasoning there, but there is less protection from wildlife when you are in a soft-sided thing. The other thing about the soft side walls is that they can be very cold. Obviously, like the walls in my Max, they're really super insulated. I have got to get up in the middle of the night and turn the heat off in my Max. Usually what I do is heat the trailer up really hot and I get in it and I turn the heat off when I go to bed. And once I'm warm and under my covers, when I wake up in the morning, I'm toasty under my covers, but my nose is cold and I got to get up and turn the heat on again. The air temperature is cold in the trailer, but it heats up very quickly. When you're working with the soft sided, that canvas is not going to hold the heat as well as a wall uh, would. The other thing is about the soft sides is that canvas really needs maintenance. Like I said, you come home from a trip, if it was wet in any way, you've got to set it up. You've got to make sure it's dried out. You've got to watch for molds. You've got to watch for corruption in the canvas. Um, sometimes the canvases have to be treated. We had ours for years and years, an old school canvas. Ours was literally canvas. And you couldn't touch the walls. It's not like that anymore, but you have to maintain that canvas and take good care of it. Okay, number three in the con list, and this this is this is big to me. It's not a great kitchen in pop-ups. So because pop-ups fold down, when you fold them up, instead of the kitchen countertop being 31 inches high, or which most countertops are, it's like 24 inches. The kitchen in them comes up to your thighs. If you were a really tall person, that would be such an annoying kitchen, and you would really have to set up camp outside, which works too, unless the weather is lousy. So... Everything is so low in the kitchen there. So if you're a tall person, that would be annoying. The other thing is the kitchens are really, really small. So it's directly across from the sink, and they've got two side tables in there. It's a really small area that they make the kitchen out of. I have never seen a good sink in a pop-up trailer. They're just super tiny with this little tiny arm, and I know you could renovate all that and change all of that, but limited counter uh, space, really bad little sink. It usually has some kind of propane stove, but sometimes it just has counter and you light your own Coleman stove in there, which is something you have to be really careful about. And there's no upper cabinets. So everything folds down. There's no upper cabinets in their kitchen. So you've got to be really creative with your storage. There's very little storage place to put your food and everything in a pop-up kitchen. So not the best kitchens in there. All right, number four, it's a potty situation. So some pop-up trailers have no potty at all and others have a potty, which kind of folds up and opens up uh, a little half door, like the bottom half of a door opens the potties in there. And then a curtain assembly goes around the whole upper part of it to allow you to take a shower off a really cheesy kind of wand in there or to use the potty itself. Now, I personally like a little bit more between me and the outside world. If there was other people in that camper, maybe as a girl camper all by yourself, that would be okay. But there would have to be a lot more between me and the outdoor world than a curtain in order to go in there and use that bathroom. I have a feeling I'm not alone in this. <laughs> so, I mean, 
great to have it at all as an emergency in the middle of the night. But as a family, if you're camping in it, that, you know, maybe if your kids are really little and when everybody uses the bathroom together, but as people get older, that would not be an ideal situation. Okay, number five um, on my con list. Um, it's less of a four-season trailer. So because of the canvas walls, because of, you know, they can't be completely airtight. There is going to be cold air and wind that is going to be coming through places in that canvas. So I can winterize my Max, and I have it winterized now. If it was a 40-degree day and I wanted to take it down to one of the Harvest House farms or to um, any park that was still open year-round, I could plug it in, have my heater, have my protein uh, propane, have my fridge working. It, I could be warm and toasty in there and just have to use the bathroom at the campground or I could take a plastic bag and I could line the potty in my trailer like we did for 10 years before I had a trailer, our little porta potty, put a plastic liner in it, an inside out diaper, turn an inside out diaper in that, pee in there, tie it up, throw it away. So you could still use the trailer and be warm and toasty and off weather. But a pop-up trailer is like the least of the four-season trailers out there. So if you were a person who really wanted to use them in uh, the off-season, this would not be the best choice. Okay, number six in my list of cons on the pop-up is they can be really noisy. (laughs) So it's beautiful. We have all those windows and everything, but it is canvas and it's on a windy day. It really billows and the canvas moves and flap, 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 flap. That could really keep you awake all day or all night. So the noise factor is much bigger in a pop-up than it is in a regular travel trailer. So that's our list of pros and cons on that trailer. My friend Mary Ellen Arndorfer, who is an incredible girl camper, is coming on next. She's going to share her journey to becoming an outdoor woman. She was a girl camper way before she found out about this podcast and started adventuring out with friends. I I can't wait for you to hear her story of how she just chucked her life in the uh, corporate world and turned herself into a, a kayaking guide on the Colorado River and what happened to her since then. And I love her story. So stay tuned for Mary Ellen Arndorfer, girl camper and pop-up owner. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here today with my friend, Mary Ellen Arndorfer. She is a bona fide girl camper from Arizona who had her camping groove on way before she founded CamperGroove.com. She and her husband have pop-up camped for many years before buying a vintage Avion, and she is here today to talk about popping out in your pop-up. Mary Ellen, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Janine. I've been a long time to serve you. I am so thrilled for you to be on today. So many people say this to me. They say, when you have a girl camper on, it's our favorite kind of episode. And I have to agree. 
you have such a cool backstory way before you were this accomplished professional that you are right now and a wife and a mom and all the hats that you wear you were a girl camper and and I want you to share that story with everybody well I'd love to Janine it's a a little bit of an upside down story um I like to say that I had a midlife crisis at age 31. (laughs) I was a CPA accountant working for the largest accounting firm in the world in San Francisco, and I loved it. It was a, a great career for about six years, and as I was getting into my late 20s, I just knew I wanted more. I knew I didn't really want to live in the corporate world. I didn't want to become a partner. I didn't want to keep trying to live in a big city. Um, And um, I had always wanted to find a way to live and work in Yosemite National Park. I had grown up going there. I had spent a lot of my 20s hiking and camping there, and I just kind of kept trying to figure out a way that I could live there and work there. So meanwhile, my mother had invited me to go on a river trip in the Grand Canyon along with a couple of my other siblings, and I was very hopeful about it. I wasn't that interested in rivers or the desert or canyons. I wanted to be in the Sierras and in Yosemite, but I went along because she was paying for it, <laughs> and those six days changed my life. I came back and I decided I didn't want to be working at this large firm anymore and I wanted to start pursuing my dreams. I really wanted to be living a large part of my life outdoors. So I spent the next six months figuring out how I could become a river guide, Um, not only a river guide, but in the Grand Canyon, which is kind of considered the upper echelon of the river guiding world. And I was told over and over again, well, that's nice. Go work on some other rivers first, get some experience, and come back in 10 years, and you can get hired in the Grand Canyon. But I was already 31. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I somehow weaseled my way into what I considered to be the best company down there. And by the next summer, I think I did 12 trips, Um, most of them. 10 to 14 days long, um, and at the same time, also started pursuing my dream of being self-employed as a tax accountant and uh, writing for travel magazines. I had always had this strong creative side and always been told I should write, and I thought, it's about time. So I kind of um, just turned my life upside down in the course of one year and ended up spending eight years um working in Green Canyon, and meanwhile, uh, moved my life to South Arizona, which is kind of the hub of the river guiding world in Grand Canyon, and uh, didn't end up ever living and working in Yosemite like my original dream was, but I, I realized uh, soon after I started in Grand Canyon that I, I did end up getting that dream just in a different place. And really fell in love with the desert and with rivers. And um, even though I haven't worked down there for a long time now, 
it's still a huge part of my life. And that's um, how I transitioned into becoming a girl camper as well. When you're a river guy, you're living your life outside 24-7. And when I would come off the river, I would really miss that. It would feel almost wrong to be inside so much. I would look out the window and think, wow, here I am inside and just on the other side of that class is outside and that's where I want to be. Mm-hmm. So as my life continued to evolve and I got married and eventually um, had a child, I wanted to replace that um, river guiding and that feeling of living outside with camping. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I want to ask you this because as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, you know, you had this dream to live outside, but you were really on the corporate track. I mean, you're a smart cookie and you were really um, climbing the ladder. Was it hard to let go of that? <laughs> Was there a sense of like, maybe I'm not going to be safe. Maybe I'm not going to be okay. Maybe I'm going to like die in a pup tent with, you know, two nickels to my name. Yeah, there were some definitely some rough years, and I think um, a lot of people who knew me in my previous life, and I think my mother especially, <laughs> thought I was nuts and were worried about me, but I think they also saw how happy I was and how I was feeding and developing this whole other side of myself, and I still maintain all those skills and experience that I had gained um those first six years in the corporate world, and I use them still to this day. I've been self-employed as a tax accountant for 25 years now. Yeah. So I still use all those skills and really enjoy them, but I just don't want to do it 24-7, 12 months out of the year. You know, I think that's so cool because that's exactly the kind of skill set you can use anywhere in the RV world. You don't need to be in an office to um, take advantage of that skill set, and it really does set you up for a life on the road. Exactly. You know, I think it also informed um, the kind of river guide I was, too. You know, I could be very organized, uh, detail-oriented. I, you know, knew that safety came first and taking care of the guests came right behind that. I could talk to just about anyone because of my corporate experience. Um, so those, those skills have always served me well, and I continue to use them today. So I want to fast forward. You you fell in love, and you got married. Was your husband an outdoorsman? He must have been. He was. He was, although I wouldn't say an extreme type. Um, he had moved out to Flagstaff from the Midwest um, because he couldn't really take the sunless winters anymore. He yeah. the sunshine, and he wanted to be someplace where um, he could, you know, be in the mountains more, be on rivers more, that kind of thing. So he had pestered me for many years about getting a pop-up trailer because his experience was um, in his family of seven growing up, they had taken two huge cross-country trips in a rented pop-up trailer, an old scamper. And this would have been, you know, late 60s, early 70s. Seven of them in a tiny pop-up trailer with two parents who had no outdoor or camping experience, but were immigrants from Ireland. Pardon? God bless them. (laughs) Yes, yeah, wonderful people. 
they wanted to show their kids their new adopted country, and so they went from the Midwest to the West Coast and back twice with five kids in a small rented trailer, <sighs> um, you know, with the hitch coming undone in certain spots, with uh, rain dripping down inside the rented trailer on top of Barry, Baby Mary and her bathroom bed. His mother, who um, is still with us, thankfully, at 89, loves um, <laughs> the outdoors, doesn't go camping anymore, but probably um, would if her uh, mobility would allow her. Um, is so excited that her children have carried on that. So anyway, that was, he had these grand memories of these two cross-country trips that he kept pestering me, like, I really want to get a proper trailer. And honestly, I thought that was super dorky. I thought <laughs> trailers were for older people, um, not us. We're still young enough and hip. But then I realized we, our daughter was six by then, and we had only taken our camping once or twice, and, you know, we were getting older. We were in our young 40s, and it just wasn't that comfortable sleeping on the ground anymore. Yeah. So after pestering me for several years, I finally just kind of gave in. I was like, one of them, he works so hard. He travels a lot to work. If this is the one thing that he really wants to do, let him do it. Yeah. All I said to him was, fine, go get your trailer, but you're in charge of it. Like, you figure out what you want to get, you buy it, and you figure out how to maintain it. And, and what did you end up getting? One, what's what, that? What did you end up getting? We ended up getting a slightly used 2007 StarCraft. I think the model number is 2107. It's a medium-sized trailer. Um, this was right at the start of the recession in 2008. And I think it, it looked like it had been out on one or two trips. And it was sitting on a used trailer lot, which I think quickly went out of business after that. Times were you know, very tough for the RV industry then. And we were able to pick it up for a really good deal, basically a new trailer. Um, and it really just took... We took one overnight trip, what we called our shakedown cruise, to a place called Lee's Ferry, which is where all Grand Canyon River trips lead from in northern Arizona. And it was February, so it was And it really just took that one night, and I was like, okay, I get it. This is going to be really fun. And I was completely on board after that. Yeah. And you were thinking, this is way better than a tent. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now, how many does your uh, pop-up sleep? It probably sleeps six. It may even say that it sleeps seven. We've never had more than four in there. Um, if my daughter has a friend or a cousin come along. So usually it's the three of us and the dog. Mm-hmm. very, very groovy at that point for that many people. Yeah, it's um, one of the things I do love about pop-ups. When you pop that up and the sides are out and you've got that view all over the place and it's just that feeling of space and air around you. And if it's a rainy day and you're stuck in there, man, it, I, that's so nice. Exactly, Jeanine. I, I think it would be hard for us to ever 
everyone get rid of that trailer because we just love camping in it so much. Pop-ups are hot for everyone, but they fit our style of camping exceedingly well. In fact, so much so when we do look at almost any other trailer, we, we feel claustrophobic because you basically have 360-degree windows and yes. views and areas and the breeze coming in. And our favorite place to camp is... Um, the Central California coast um, on the southern end of Big Sur. We usually go there for a week every fall, usually at Thanksgiving. And we hear the waves all night long from inside the trailer. We hear the seals barking out on the rocks. Oh, wow. Yeah. The waves, you know, the big landfall. Like, it's really hard to replace that. And again, for me, it gives, I, what I love most about the pop-up is it gives me that feeling of living outdoors. And yeah. we do most of our living outdoors when we can't, even when we have the trailer. We cook every meal outside. We eat every meal outside. We wash the dishes outside. Everything is done outside, even though you could do all of that inside. It really takes some pretty nasty weather to dry us indoors. I know that you, um, when I met you, we met at Tom's Camperland in Phoenix, Arizona, and you were nice enough to drive all the way down for our camper college there. And at that time, you were considering upgrading your trailer. Why did you want to do that? I think mostly because of the four season reasons. We really wanted to be able to camp it year-round. Um, the other thing that can be difficult in the pop-up is um, we tend to camp in places that are very windy. Oh. And if you're in heavy winds, that canvas can flop around quite a bit. We've, we've had some nights where we've been up a lot of the night um, concerned about the canvas, and it's just, noisier if the wind is heavy. So we thought, well, maybe it's time to look at something hard-sided. By the way, we love Tom's Camperland, and we're so excited that you introduced us to it a couple (laughs) years ago. We've probably been there five times since then, even though it's about a a two-and-a-half-hour drive from where we live. It's a great place to hang out. (laughs) It's a great – Tom's Camperland has the most fun – showroom of any RV uh, place I've ever been in. I, I just love their showroom. They do. It's, it's endless. We go there and we just kind of plan on spending the afternoon there every time we go. It's like a trip to Ikea. You just so go there and, and just eat and hang out and walk around. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They make you so welcome. Well, you, we love looking at all the, yeah. you know, there's so many new amazing styles and um, configurations of trailers coming on the market right now, and so we're we're just trying to stay on top of that, on, on top of all that because we are kind of still looking for our next trailer. Well, you but did anyway, end up getting means, a vintage Avion. So, are you using it? To, uh, is that a regret, or are you happy with that? What's what's the story? <laughs> well, that's a good question. So, we had always been interested in vintage trailers, um, you know, particularly the Airstreams and the Avions, the the beautiful, shiny, aluminum, you know, old design of trailers. And so we felt like there was always going to be a vintage trailer um, in our future at some point. And I used to look frequently on different websites, Craigslist, and one day I kind of kept 
feeding Sean emails um, off of Craigslist saying, look at this trailer. What do you think about this one? And I was just dabbling, and he, he, he wrote me back. We both work in home offices because we're so busy. This is how we communicate. Welcome to the, yeah, to the current the modern world. world. Right. And at one point he said, this one's it. He said, where is it? And I said, it's in Phoenix, two hours away. He said, we should go look at it this weekend. And I wrote back, well, if you're serious, we should go look at it today. It was Friday. I said, we should go down there this afternoon. So we did. It turned out to be a 24-foot 1970 Avion, which um, if people aren't too familiar with those, uh, a lot of people confuse them with Airstreams. They look extremely similar. And um, we ended up buying it (laughs) and dragging it home. And um, it has not been a regret, but it has been a very steep learning curve. This particular trailer was a beautiful shape. Um, But sadly, this summer, um, about a year and a half after we bought it, it suddenly started leaking. um, And most uh, vintage trailer owners are probably nodding their heads yes. (laughs) I'm one of them. It's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. We thought we had escaped that fate, um, but we hadn't. We had a particularly strong monsoon season here this summer, or maybe just all the, um, yeah, you know, the seams and stuff were just, you know, it's almost yeah. 50 years old, so yeah. it was tight, it started leaking, and, and that really broke my heart. <laughs> Is it repairable? That, or No, not badly, just in one or two little spots. But I just wasn't prepared for that because I thought we had bought this pretty bonger trailer and we had escaped that fate. And that was just being naive. So um, I'm slowly redoing parts of it. It was painted kind of a bright orange sherbet color inside. Oh, how fun. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't really my aesthetic. Um, I love remodeling. I've, I've been spending the last 15 years remodeling our house. That's done. I've remodeled the pop-up trailer. That's done. So I guess that was part of the impetus for the vintage trailer. I needed my next remodeling project. Yeah, that was it. And that'll get you one that'll keep you going. The problem with remodeling vintage trailers is there's so much you like guts and working to do before you get to the fun part. Yes. I mean, yes. all of that. No, let's not even go there. I, I've had two, two or three vintage trailers down to the skin inside. And uh, the last one I did, um, I just passed to my nephew last year when after redoing that roof twice and the whole interior, I walked out in it and it was leaking. And I, I just came in the house in tears and I said to Rick, I'm done. Take it over to Billy's house. He's young and he's got this kind of energy. <laughs> Yes, I understand that that could potentially be our future. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to hold on to it for now. Yeah. It really is a beautiful trailer. It makes me smile every time I look out my office window and, and see it in the driveway. Yeah. Um, and we have fun using it for parties and uh, sleepovers and yeah. happy hours and that kind of thing. So it's going to be with us for a while. But Good. we are kind of... 
still looking for our next trailer. I'm, I'm afraid we might be like so many people you and I know, Janine, yeah. who own multiple trailers. <laughs> like, it, I, I get that. It's a little bit of a sickness. You know, it, it, it is. It, I, it is. I, I still search Craigslist all the time. I'm still thinking someday I might like to have a vintage again. I enjoyed my vintage so much. And it, it was a great trailer for two days, two hours from home. It's not a trailer you take across the country. But I do miss sitting in it in my backyard. <laughs> yes. I want to talk yeah. to you about Wonderful Women of Waxahachie because here you are in Flagstaff, Arizona, and you drove all the way to Waxahachie, Texas last year. How many miles was that? <laughs> um, I think it was over a thousand miles. Um, each way. Each way. It was 18 hours each way. Oh my goodness. For a weekend. <laughs> thankfully I have a great girlfriend who lives three doors up. She and her husband um, are on their second trailer uh, right now. In fact, they just drove by leaving in their trailer. They're heading down to Tucson for the weekend. And um, she's the kind of friend where I, where I can say, hey, I have this crazy idea. What do you think? And she'll be like, yeah, let's do it. Everybody needs a friend like that. <laughs> so you, that was your first time, trailering yourself, hitching yourself. This was your, you have all this camping experience, but when you and your girlfriend drove from Flagstaff to Waxahachie, the two of you had never done these things without the husbands in tow. How did that go? Yes, and I think that was part of the reason why we wanted to do it. Um, it's you know we were we're really competent, strong, smart women, and we're like we need to do this. We we need to know we can do this so that we can go out on our own when we want to. Um, we both became sisters on the fly in the last couple of years. In fact, I gave her a membership for her birthday and. Um, we have started to go to meetings and all that. And it's like, we, we need to be able to do this by ourselves. Um, our husbands love that part. And uh, they, we, Darlene and I love the, the packing and the organizing and the planning and the cooking and all that. But it was time to add the towing and the trailer maintenance and, and all that to our, our skill set. Um, and frankly, Janine, I think I need to credit you for a big part of that because, I've listened to your podcast weekly almost from the beginning. I know you go way back. You were like my first um, fan letter. (laughs) (laughs) I don't believe that. (laughs) No, I remember showing it to my husband and I said, oh my gosh, somebody wrote me like what could be construed as a fan letter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm definitely a fangirl, Janine Pettit, that's for sure. But just listening to you week after week, you know, and telling all the stories that you tell and the women that you interview, who many of them come from much more challenging circumstances than I do. I don't have, I really don't have any challenging circumstances, only only the limitations I put on myself. So it is, listening to you week after week is what told me, yeah, you can do this. And, yeah. it's, and it's high time that you start doing it. <laughs> You know what? Can I tell you something? Uh, Because this is what people write to me all the time. And this is a takeaway. 
a woman wrote me the cutest letter a couple weeks ago and she said when I first heard you talking about towing all by yourself she said I thought to myself oh isn't that cute she she must have like the towing gene and then she said then I realized you often said there is no towing gene it's just a skill set and she said as I listened over the months and then a year she said I began to think wait a minute I think she's talking to me (laughs) and the, at the beginning, when she was listening, she was thinking about other people. And it didn't dawn on her that she was one of those people. And now she's towing all over the place by herself. And she said, you know, it, she didn't get it right away. She needed that time to say, you know, over and over. And to hear people like you come on the show and say, hey, you know, we got in that car and we took off, you know, my girlfriend Darlene and I, and we did it. And um, we took everything we learned and we hit the road. And I think it's a real confidence builder for other people. And I'm so curious about what you and Darlene thought when you were 50 miles from home and Flagstaff was in your rearview mirror. Did you feel like Thelma and Louise? Uh, yes, but I have to tell you before that, as soon as we got on the interstate, it was it was very dark. It was probably four thirty or five a.m. And I noticed I was driving about thirty miles an hour. <laughs> and this stretch of the interstate is heavy, heavy with truck traffic, even that time of um, day. And it's narrow and and windy and, and a little scary if you're not used to it and I noticed I was trying and my hand was gripping the steering wheel so the old white knuckle trip I've towed our trailer before um you know on highway one in Big Sur which is a very nasty stretch of highway by most people's um, thought but I had to just sort of say, hey, you're okay. This is fine. You can do this. And yeah. just relax and pick up my speed a little bit because it was dangerously slow. And mm-hmm. very quickly after that, I would say within 30 minutes, I was just like, oh, this is great. This is fine. I could, you know, I just felt so much more comfortable. But I think that whole experience, I had to keep telling myself. And one of the things I love about your podcast, Janine, is you're always telling your own stories about mistakes you made. Oh, yeah, I've made them. <laughs> that kind of thing. And letting all of us know, like, you are going to make mistakes. Things are going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Um, so what happened to you happened. on that trip? Well, we camped on the way there in a beautiful state park in the middle of Texas, not maybe just a couple of hours from Waxahachie. Um, I can't quite remember the name of it right now. Red Canyon or... People in that area will know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. This, this beautiful canyon, you had to go down this very steep road to get to the canyon bottom, and there's some lovely campgrounds down there. And then the next morning when we were hitching the trailer back up, um, I put the safety pin for the hitch on top of um, the trailer frame, mm-hmm. thinking, oh, I'll see it here, and, and I'll know to to get it into the, the pin mm-hmm. lock. Well, as we were climbing that very steep, windy road out of the canyon bottom, all of a sudden I heard, well, I think Darlene asked me to stop. She wanted to take a picture halfway up. Mm-hmm. So I'm slowing down and I hear this horrible pop from mm. the back of the truck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
I knew it with the hitch on the the ball, uh, um, you know, I, the coupler. Yeah, it came off. And I was like, well, I suddenly realized I did not put that safety pin into the hitch lock. So I put the brake on, and I knew I had the safety chains on, so I knew we weren't going to lose the trailer, but it was just, it was a very steep pitch of road. And, and I also just couldn't believe I made that mistake. So I told Darlene, um, I'm going to keep my foot on the brake, and I want you to go back there. And please, please, God, may that safety pin still, still be there. Be frame. And by some miracle it was, because Darlene, thankfully, is a runner, and she was all ready to run down the hill to the campground. It was probably a mile and a half away. Yeah, and get but it. Look for the it. The safety pin was still there, and then I kind of had to tell her how to get it back in, and she didn't quite get it right, and I had to kind of jostle the trailer on the hitch ball a little bit, and right. then she, she took a picture of it, Kate showed me the picture, <laughs> I was terrified to take my foot off the brake. And that's your story from Road Trip 101. Well, let yeah, me tell you, yeah. what and, you did, we'll so, many, pe- so many people have done that. So many people have done that. And and I once got to a campground, and, and there was a um, hammer on my bumper. So I, sometimes <laughs> I have to get a hammer, a rubber mallet, and, and pound down my hitch lock. And I laid it on the bumper, and I got to the campground two hours away, and it was still sitting there. <laughs> so... Yeah. You know, what What I do with that, because everybody's done that, is when I unhook mine, I put it back in the spot. So I can't, I have to remove it to put it back on. So, and I, the right. other thing I always do is in my glove compartment, I have backup, um, I have those backup pins because you just need an extra one or two just in case. Oh, that's a good idea. I'm yeah. going to add that to my list. I do want to ask you this. When the two of you got back from your trip to Waxahachie, which was whirlwind, you drove 18 hours to be at a place for 48 hours, if if you were even there for 48, and 18 hours back home. I just want to know what kind of sense of accomplishment, or I don't want to put words in your mouth. What did you feel when you got home from that trip? I think I can speak to my friend Darlene. Also, we both felt elated. Um, very close to our neighborhood is a mesa that has a beautiful view of the city and the mountains. And we took the trailer up there before we went home, and we took a bunch of pictures, and you could just see it on our faces. We were elated because... It just opened the new door to us at a time in mind where, um, you know, Sean and I are going to be empty busters in a couple of years, and he still travels a lot for work. So I, I want to get back to that adventuring part of my life, um, not just a handful of camping trips every year, but big adventures like I used to do back in my single days and my river guiding days and mm-hmm. I think Darlene feels the same way and we can't wait to go on more trips with other girl campers and with the sisters on the fly and with our, our own dear sisters and our family and our friends like we have big plans this and coming back from Waxahachie meeting those women story after story yeah. um, of these women who have overcome 
so much to pursue their love of the outdoors yep. and camping and adventuring. And make um, that dream come true. We want to join that team. Yeah, I know. It's a cool club, isn't it? It's all the cool kids are there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want you to tell us about CamperGroove.com. I have started a blog um, that will be launching on January 1st called Camper Groove. Um, I've always had this strong creative side to me. I, I love writing. I love taking photographs. Um, I love the graphic arts. And it was just a challenge to myself to put it all together and communicate what I love about camping, how I love to camp, where I camp, um, just continue sharing information, much like yourself. Um, so this is something I've been working on for a year and a half. Um, I, I, I know a lot of people think, can't you just launch a blog in a day or two? I suppose you can, but the way I want to do it and um, the learning curve that I've undertaken on the back-end technology side of it all has been about a year and a half journey for me. And yeah. So I'm really excited to launch it on January 1st. And um but Just in the meantime, share what I love about camping. In the meantime, all of our Instagram friends can follow you at Camper Groove on Instagram. Yeah, and, and you're you're yeah. a photographer. You really have an eye. Oh, thank you, Janine. You really do. I enjoy when your posts come by. Oh, that means a lot to me. I um, have always worked with a lot of photographers in my tax practice, and have a lot of friends who are. Yeah. professional photographers. So hopefully I've picked up a little bit along the way. I'm strictly an amateur, but I do really enjoy that art form. Well, you know, Mary Ellen, you're gifted in so many ways and you've been so encouraging to me. And I, you know, you're sitting on the show telling me, but I have to tell you that you will often just send me a note saying, hey, I really love today's show, and that was great, or this was great, or, you know, I, I, I want to thank you for your encouragement, because I, I I know what you're trying to do with Camper Groove, and this is this community that we have, and you've been such a big part of our community, so I thank you, I thank you for that, because you're a giver. You're just a person who has information and you share it with people and you're extremely creative. I'm really looking forward to Camper Groove going out and being a guest blogger on your on your site. I'm just so looking forward to it. And I thank you for coming on today and sharing your story because I just think it's incredibly encouraging for the people out there who are still just trying to dip their toe in the water to hear these kinds of stories. Thank you, Janine. That means so much to me, and um, I can't believe that I'm I'm a part of your podcast history. <laughs> You're over 150 shows. That's yeah, such a beautiful, uh, huge inventory of information and encouragement for so many people out there. And we just love you and and, and wish you just to keep keep going, girl. We, I'm blushing. We appreciate you so much. <laughs> Well, thank you. And I am going to keep going. We're all going to keep going. I don't know if we're going to see you in Waxahachie this year. Are you coming back? I am trying to make it happen. Okay. Um, My fingers are crossed. Maybe you should fly in and just rent an RV. 
Actually, I want to rent one of those beautiful vintage Shasta trailers that some of the gals had in Waxahachie this past April. Yeah, well, you know what? We're going to be doing a show on that. So for all the people out there who want to come to Wonderful Women in Waxahachie, there's going to be a whole network of how to camp like a girl if you don't have your own trailer, if you can't tow there, if you have one but you're too far away. We're going to make sure everybody has plenty of options for them so when you hit the ground and get in Danner Park, you can have a blast. So stay tuned for that one. Yeah. So Mary Ellen, thank you. I just love catching up with you. You too, Janine. Thank you. All right. Take care. See you soon. Happy trails. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you, Mary Ellen Arndorfer, for coming on the show. I can't wait to see CamperGroove.com when it comes out. In the meantime, if you want to follow Mary Ellen, go over to Camper Groove on Instagram. This woman has an eye. She posts really fantastic pictures. I can't wait to see it and walk the hatchy Mary Ellen. I'd also like to thank our sponsors, especially Liberty Outdoors. Liberty has that question for you. That question everybody at Liberty is asking. What are you waiting for? It's the time to make your RV dream come true, and Liberty Outdoors is a family of brands that evoke the American values of freedom and adventure. They manufacture the highest quality trailers in the industry, producing some of the most recognizable designs. Their products are proudly made in the USA with best-in-class workmanship and excellent customer support. This allows you to pick up, get out, get going with the confidence that only a superior product can provide. Liberty wants you to experience the journey with the peace of mind that you have earned. To take a look at the Max trailer or the Mini Max, head on over to girlcamper.com and click on the link or go to golibertyoutdoors.com and follow along. I'd also like to thank our other sponsors, Tom's Camperland with three locations in Phoenix, Arizona, Setzer's World of Camping in Huntington, West Virginia, General RV with 12 locations across the country, and Bankston Motorhomes with three locations in Alabama and two in Tennessee. Thank you, Camco, for sponsoring our show, and thank you, Stephanie Puglisi, for putting this show together. That's a wrap, everybody. Have a good week. Happy trails. Happy trails.